You are listening to Rockwell Church in Virginia, Minnesota. Find us online at rockwell.church. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, the kids are dismissed to Kids Church. So what a great reminder. Uh, what a great time to celebrate your graduations. Uh, and parents, parenting is not over when they turn 18 or when they graduate from high school, I, I promise you. So uh, if you might need to get Jim Burns' new book on parenting your adult children as the next phase of your parent training. But what a great reminder to the church about how important it is to raise up uh, boys and girls to become men and women of God and go out and make a difference in the world. I know that our children's workers get tired. They want more help downstairs. Sometimes they just keep going downstairs every Sunday. They don't even get up here. Uh, So we need to do more, to volunteer more. But we need to remember that God has called us to make disciples of people of all ages and to reach out to kids uh, in the neighborhood. I always want you to remember that when I was a little kid, that uh, I often got a ride to church. Sometimes people would bring me to church. I was the annoying kid that you wouldn't want to have in your class. Uh, I was a nightmare at camp, ultimate nightmare at camp. But then I got saved a little after, uh, what, a few months after I left Camp Idrahaji in Colorado. It clicked in my mind what it truly was to be saved, and I got saved. So camping ministry matters too. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have given us this this opportunity to know you, this opportunity to serve you, this opportunity to be in this place and bloom where we are planted. Lord, I pray you'd give us health and energy and resources and unity. Lord, I pray that as we look through the bulletin and we see the list of all the people that we can pray for and all the needs for the people that are in need of healing, uh, in need of help, Uh, suffering grief as they've lost somebody they love or wondering what to do next uh, with with their job, with their career, with their family. So many prayer needs. God, we pray that you would remind us of how to pray for them. Lord, we pray for the missionaries at Danielson's, that you would um, help them to accomplish your tasks and have all that they need. Lord, we pray that you would bless our church financially so that we could not only uh, cover our expenses and move forward through people's faithful giving, but we would be able to fully support the large missionary portion of our budget. Lord, I pray that you would bless the givers as they give online or in the box by the door uh, or that they mail things in. Lord, I pray you'd bless this message. I pray that you would help us to become better prayers, humble prayers, prayers that see your mighty hand. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for scripture that shows us how to live, how to pray, how to praise. Lord, we just pray you bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let me just see if I can. All right, so my, my clicker thing is good to go here. This is a test because Ken isn't here. I think this is like one of the first times Ken hasn't been here uh, for the video and audio. So, um, yeah, let's see here. My message. My message is unholy, effective, life-changing prayer. Help. Often we pray when we need help. Uh, When you're sick, you need help, so you pray. Sometimes you don't pray enough, and I think that God allows things in our lives so that we are more likely to cry out for help and to pray. One of the greatest things in our spiritual life is when we pray and we have some trouble, uh, some financial trouble, some sickness, some ailment, we think it's going to destroy our lives, and we pray 
and God gets us through it. Sometimes he doesn't heal us, but he gives us the courage, the ability, the help to get through it. Sometimes he miraculously heals us and helps us to go on. God can do great things through prayer. And as we're going through the Lord's Prayer, we want to focus on today, I need my holy heavenly Father. I need my holy heavenly Father. Matthew 6, 9 says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Heavenly Father. So when we think of fathers, sometimes we have the greatest memory of fathers that provided and cared and loved and shared. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have uh, a father who was there but wasn't really attentive or helpful or is critical or is difficult. Or maybe something happened to our fathers. My grandson does not have uh, his dad uh, right now. He's got a stepdad now. But um, father, um, that whole concept can be skewed based on your experience. But we want to focus on our perfect Heavenly Father that we are to come to, that we are to pray to, that we are to trust and to know that He is approachable, that He cares, that He loves. And so that's my first point, actually, is that He is our approachable Father, our approachable Heavenly Father. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I'm smiling because uh, my parents have started to watch every Sunday and they even comment about stuff that's going on. So I know they're really watching and so I'm like, I don't even know if I should share this, but all right, Dad. So um, there was a time when I did not want to approach my father because I think I was in ninth grade and I was in algebra. I was telling him I was getting great grades and actually I was cheating in algebra because half of the answers were in, that bu- in the back of the book and half of the answers were available from my friends. So I was just breezing along through algebra uh, until the teacher on the final day told me that he wanted me to sit right up front next to him. And I'm like, why would you want me to do that? And he's like, so that you can take the test by yourself. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I took the test and I had told my parents that I was getting good grades. And I got, I don't remember, I got a D or something like that or an F or whatever. And I did not want to go home. So I'm like, oh, the best idea for me then is to run away. I'm just going to run away. I don't have any money. I don't know where I'm going to go. So I ran away until about nine o'clock when they came, when they came to pick me up at the mall. So, but I was so afraid because of what I had done that I did not want to approach my father at all. So, turns out I lived, I survived, and I took algebra over. So, weirdest thing about algebra, though, you don't really use it that much in life, really. I I don't know. The parents are like, don't say that. Don't say that. Little Billy needs good grades in algebra. So, or maybe what it is, is if you're bad at math, you can always become a preacher. So, you can always become a preacher if you don't do good in math. So, nonetheless, he is approachable. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If we look at this passage that the Lord's Prayer is in, if it's in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is teaching about uh, pray, praying and fasting. In verse 6, he says, When you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And then uh, verse 9, then it says, Pray like this, our Father in heaven. So Pharisees, uh, religious professionals, people that wanted attention, would get out there and they would pray. And they would pray these high and lofty prayers and people would be like, oh, that was such a good prayer. Oh, 
thank you so much for praying like that. We just, and they wanted the attention. And Jesus is like, hey, you know, praying is approaching your heavenly father in secret. He sees everything. He knows everything. So go and pray. And pray is talking to the Lord. Prayer is asking. Prayer is asking for yourself and for others. I find people that refuse to ask for themselves because they don't think it's right. But we are to pray for every need. But he is approachable. Whether you're uh, saintly or sinful, uh, whatever mess that you're in, you can still approach your Heavenly Father. And maybe the first thing that you need to admit is that I have sinned. I have done this wrong. You know I did this wrong. Um, please forgive me. Help me to fix this mess. Help me in this time of my life. He is approachable. We're only going to come to the Heavenly Father if we know that he is approachable. So imagine that one of your teenage, one of you teenagers are out in the woods having a good time and you get sprayed by a skunk. What are you going to do? You know your mom's not going to want you in the house. So out of great respect, you might use your phone if you can. Otherwise you might yell, mom, dad, until they come to the window or whatever. And you'll be like a block away. And you'll be like, I got sprayed by a skunk. And you're helping, you're hoping that they're going to help you, that they're going to do something. And either way, you're giving them warning that uh, you're, not, you're not coming near the, the furniture or anything like that. And I don't know what they'll do. I'm sure that some of you moms have it all figured out. I mean, maybe, uh, sorry, you're going to have to live in the shed for a week or you get to take a bath in tomato juice. I don't, I don't know how you fix that. But if you know who you are in your family and that your parents love you even when you mess up or get skunked, if you know that your Heavenly Father loves you even when you mess up and you get into such stinky sin that you smell like you got skunked, then you will approach your Heavenly Father in your time of need. And it doesn't matter whether you are all alone or you are in a prison cell or you're around a bunch of people, say on a college campus with people that don't necessarily agree with your worldview. I, was, I don't know where all the students are going to school, but I always get excited when students of the churches go to Christian schools and I see one of them's going to the University of Northwestern and one of them's going to Crown College. Uh, I love it when our church students go to Bible College, at least for the first year or two, or to get their, uh, not just a foundation and some of their general uh, studies done, but to learn from the people who are there, to learn from the professors who are there. It's a great place to grow. And so um, I read this, I thought it was pretty good, that there is no I in the Lord's Prayer. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. Nor can you pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for one another. And when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea from the beginning to the end of it. It doesn't once say me. That's what the church is about, is that we come together. I mean, you could be at home and you could keep watching videos and never come to the church building. You could um, just read your Bible and have your devotions and use your Bible app and listen to your Christian music and watch your Christian TV and never be part of a church. But we are to come together, to be together, to learn together, to grow together, to serve together. Um, when you show up at a Bible study or a, a life group or anything like that, there's often a time for learning and looking at the Bible, but then there's also a time for discussion and sharing. And so we've had two uh, morning, Saturday morning men's gathering so far. And I've learned so much about the guys who have come. We're focusing on uh, becoming godly leaders. We've got leadership training and Bible training. And just some of the things that the guys share were so huge. Like yesterday, 
I asked who the most influential person, uh, leader in the lives of these men would be. And two of the older guys both pointed to their boys' brigade leaders, which is kind of like Awana, as most influential. So you're talking uh, somebody serving like in a church children's ministry were the most influential in these people who had professional lives. And I thought that was so cool. Never underestimate what you can do as you are serving the Lord, as you're walking in the Lord, as you are following and serving your Heavenly Father. So number two, he reigns from above. He reigns from above. Uh, sometimes we think we've got God figured out, you know, like he's, he's got some really great technology, uh, like he zooms down like Google and he can kind of see what we're doing, but he doesn't really know what we're thinking. But if we read our Bibles, he's like, wait a second. He knows the motives of my heart. He knows the thoughts in my head. He knows the words I speak before I even see, the, see them. So what is the point of praying? Doesn't he just know? But when we pray, when we humble ourselves, when we go to our Heavenly Father, when we bow the knee, we express our needs. Maybe we write, write it down. Maybe we share it with others. And then sometimes uh, when uh, in Scripture we hear from God, sometimes He motivates us in our hearts. Sometimes He puts people in our life. Sometimes He just answers prayer in amazing ways that He reaches down uh, from heaven and He changes things in our life to help us. It is amazing. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all in Psalm 103. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God knows, God cares, God sees. And in Psalm, uh, Psalm 33, verse 13 out of the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord looks, I don't have it on the screen. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory, for all its strength cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. So, verse 20, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help, our shield. So... God knows, God cares, God sees, and we in childlike faith bow our knee to our Heavenly Father. We're like, help, guide, direct, show me what to do next. My life is so boring. I'm lonely. I'm too busy. I want you to put someone in my life. For me, when I was like young, I prayed for a wife, and then she came about. Um, walking a lot. Um, Walking along, uh, just throwing out your needs to your Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. So now, actually, you can pray directly to the Father, and you can pray directly to Jesus. There's both Scripture for that. I believe you can pray to the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, the one that illuminates Scripture and convicts of sin too, but there's really not a verse in Scripture to prove that one. I think we could make a case for it, but there's no prescriptive verse in Scripture that says to pray to the Holy Spirit. But it's all God. We pray to God. God reigns above. Number three, He loves and he cares. He loves and he cares. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, those who respect him, those who take him seriously. Or the New Living Translation says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You know, we are really uh, patient and kind and caring when it comes to little kids. I mean, they just run off and do all sorts of crazy things and say things that you wouldn't expect and make messes and everything else. And sometimes 
We're like that. Sometimes I think our Heavenly Father looks down on us and just shakes our head and goes, oh, what a pup. And as we, go, as we go through life, maybe we become more mature. Maybe we become more holy, more godly, more respectable. Um, we are model Christians to follow. But unlike God who loves and cares, we get annoyed and we get bothered by those people who are doing the exact same things that we did in that stage of our Christian life when we don't remember where we've come from, how we matured, uh, how we grew, um, and we don't reach out and help he loves and he cares. We need to love and care too. Uh, number four, he knows and he shares. He knows and he shares. Again, he knows what you need. He knows what you need before it comes. I mentioned before that I prayed for a wife and she came and bought my parents' car, but she didn't do that. She could have uh, when I was like in 10th grade. I mean, we could have bumped into each other at the roller gardens. I don't know. But I wasn't in a place where she would have wanted to, to meet me. I wasn't in a spiritual place. I think that God was working on trying to help me become close to the man of God I needed to be so that when I met her, she'd be interested. Because there was a time in my life where I was rebelling against God, doing stupid things, hanging out with people that did not have my best interest in mind. I mean, when you have some friends and their only, it seems like their only goal in your friendship relationship is they want to get you drunk and they're like, hey, what can we do? And you're trying to say no, no, no. And then finally one day you give in and then you make the mistake of drinking a bunch of beer and eating a bunch of Doritos and then waking up at three in the morning like there's a tornado swirling inside of you wanting to come out. It's like, that wasn't a good experience. I haven't done it since, but... Their goal. They thought that was just everything was worthwhile. And so when you find yourself in that situation, when you find yourself in a mess, you reach out and you cry out to your Heavenly Father and you say, here I am. Um, this is wrong. Help me to fix it. Or this is too busy. Help me to put you first. Help me to prioritize you first. It doesn't make sense to my schedule to even spend any time reading God's Word because I'm so busy with work. I'm so busy with school. I'm so busy with life. But then you make it a point to put God first. And then God starts to, to show up and God starts to teach you things and he knows and he shares. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? So I was a youth pastor for, for a few years and uh, when I read this passage, I always thought about junior hires. So, uh, all right, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Well, actually the junior hires are like, Dad, I would much rather have the snake. The scorpion would be really cool, actually, more than an egg. Um, but this is not what that passage is about. So this is about God giving you what you need. So, um, needs a fish. You can't, the snake isn't as good for you as the fish. So, if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. No, scorpions can sting. Scorpions are bad. If you then, are, no, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God just doesn't shower you with stuff. God just doesn't give you stuff to make your life more comfortable, more blessed. It's like, I became a Christian and now I have a new boat. I became a Christian and I could buy a new truck. I became a Christian and got a whole new kitchen set. Or whatever it is that you're into, it's not that at all. I became a Christ follower and I received the Holy Spirit so that I can become a more effective Christ follower 
make disciples, change the world, get eternal rewards, and make a difference here in this life for all eternity. But God knows what you need. And like I said last week, sometimes when you pray, God's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That'll just mess up your life. No. Sorry, Chris, you don't get a motorcycle because you'd be gone all the time on your motorcycle. So I need you here. So maybe God gives you a motorcycle. So, um, or um, wait. So that is a great idea. A great idea. Um, but God says, let's wait. Let's put some things into play. Let's, let's get, the, get the stage ready. Uh, for instance, church growth. Wouldn't it be great if every seat here was full and there were more people wanting to come in the door? Well, the most important thing that we can do first is to take care of the people we have and get ready for that growth. So uh, we want to grow as a church. We want to make a bigger impact, but we might be waiting to get that ready to go. And sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says yes, and God is like, that is a great prayer. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to give you that job because that's going to be a great place for you to work, and you're going to influence people. You're going to be like a missionary to that place that you work. He knows, and he shares. So... Uh, to say God our Father is wondering gratitude, is ardent venturing awe, is humble penitence, is reverential praise, is endless fellowship, is all committing love. To say our Father truly is to pray. He leads us in his holiness. We are to be holy because he is holy and hallowed be his name. We need to revere him. We need to respect him. We need to realize that we in prayer are approaching the holy God of the universe who cares about us. First uh, Peter 1. Uh, 1 Peter 1.15, just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Is your speech holy? Are your actions holy? Holy are your thoughts holy? Isaiah 57.15, this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The most amazing thing about the Lord is that when you humble yourself before the Lord, He lifts you up. But if you're going to be prideful, He will knock you down. He'll knock you off that little self-made platform, that self-made pedestal. Number six, He deserves to be honored. He deserves to be honored. When you come praying to your holy heavenly Father, remember to honor Him, to thank Him, to glorify Him, and to recognize in your prayer how holy He is. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise his name. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. This is like a benediction, but uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to pray in just a minute, but let me tell you what comes next. So next is I need God's will more than my own. I need God's will more than my own. And how can I trust God for my daily provisions? We're going to have communion that Sunday. How can I experience forgiveness? And how can I overcome temptation? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you give us your word and you give us the breath of life to praise you, to make requests, to thank you for answering those prayers, uh, to thank you for not answering certain prayers that weren't in our best interest. 
Lord, as the students here uh, are graduating, as they uh, think about their life, I pray you'd put on their heart what the direction of their life is to be, that you would we'd guide them for the purpose that you made them, that you created them. Lord, I pray that you would help us all to follow your will for each and every day, and that we would look back and see uh, how faithful you've been as our Heavenly Father, and how fruitful you have made us as you work through us. And we always ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message from Pastor Chris Tyen at Rockwell Church has encouraged you in your faith. Join us next Sunday at 1015 a.m. in person or watch online. We are located on Highway 53 at 93 Midway Drive in Virginia, Minnesota. To find out more and to let us know how we can pray for you, go to our website at rockwell.church.